Hello and welcome to Euromoney at COP26. My name is Lucy Fitzgeorge-Parker. I'm the editor for Sustainable Finance at Euromoney magazine, and I'm your host for this podcast, in which I'll be bringing you news and views from the UN Climate Conference in Glasgow. Today is the last official day of COP, and speculation around the outcome of negotiations has reached fever pitch, particularly following the surprise announcement on Wednesday of a climate agreement between the US and China. For the last podcast in this series, however, I spoke to a climate data expert who had not made the trip to Glasgow. Mariella Lacour Alma is the CEO of Data Moran, a tech ESG risk management company she co-founded eight years ago after leaving the Global Reporting Initiative. I asked her why she had decided to give COP a miss this time. Very good question. Um, COP obviously is very important. It brings uh, all the leaders together, both in terms of government and and, and the private sector as well. We decided against it because we've seen a, a massive shift in the interest and the understanding of, of both climate and ESG in the past six months. So at Dateman, we are keeping very busy with, let's say, the action piece. And we decided to skip the, the talking piece because I think, <laughs> unfortunately, COP has become more of a, a talking shop than an action shop. Uh, we know what to do, and uh, that's why we decided to, um, yeah, to, to keep the pace. Obviously, we have only got a couple more days of COP, so there are only another couple of days in which everyone will be completely focused on the talking in, in Glasgow. But uh, what, what does happen next? Where, where is the focus going to shift to or shift back to once all the excitement around COP has faded? What will companies and financial institutions be focusing on over the coming months? I think it's become very obvious that it's all about reducing emissions. Uh, we've seen developments in, at COP to further uh, step out of the investments in, in the fossil fuel industry, which are, of course, promising. And uh, we expect companies to go to go back to work or to continue the work that they've set out to do. I actually think a lot of the, the, the action will, will have to come uh, from the private sector as opposed to governments. You know, governments oftentimes have uh, proven to be very slow moving. Um, these issues related to climate and, and also ESG at large are complex and global in nature. So difficult to, to, to resolve, especially with the urgency required. And it's very much a business opportunity. So we're seeing a lot of companies looking at this as a business opportunity. And we believe that that kind of thinking will actually give us the change we want to see. Data Moran's business is risk management. It's not only an opportunity, it is also a risk um, on the climate side and environment more generally. Uh, How are you helping companies to manage that? Yeah, we help companies to be proactive. We essentially help, you know, corporate leaders. And in the past six months, what we've seen is this has become a C-suite agenda to really take ownership of these issues. And through our technology, we help them identify and monitor how these ESG issues are emerging and which ones are becoming more and more important. So an obvious one, you know, and everyone will agree on this, is the climate and carbon. That's not something to debate. That's something to solve. That's something to to take action on. But there's other issues that might be coming down the pike. That's what we're helping our our, our clients with. And I would say our clients are probably the ones that are leading because they want to look ahead, you know, and I think the companies that are only now starting to wake up and say carbon is important, those are the ones that are probably doing the minimum. 
Um, so that's where we feel our role is also as a company is to drive it forward and to help those companies that actually want to be proactive and want to take this further, see this as a business opportunity and use their, uh, you know, their, their, their companies to really transform uh, the, the world in which we operate in. And what do you mean in that sense? What sort of transformation, what sort of opportunities are you talking about? You know, just a few days back, uh, this company Rivian uh, went public and it was valued, I think now over a hundred billion dollars, uh, all of a sudden, uh, electric vehicle industry. What that tells me is that there's incredible public support uh, for us to move to a world where we have a, a cleaner future. And uh, these are the kinds of companies that will ultimately succeed. These are the companies that are not just looking at ESG and climate from a risk standpoint, but are really taking this as an, as an opportunity. Um, and and um, yeah, this is where we will see most of the change occurring. Well, we've heard a lot about net zero during COP. Indeed, I had the impression at one point that just about every other panel at COP had net zero in the title. And Obviously, again, we've had a lot of commitments over the past um, 12, 18 months. I'm sure that many of your clients have made net zero commitments. What comes next on, on that front? Yeah, I think a big piece on that is, uh, is measuring. So mm. really measuring that scope one, scope two, scope three emissions and the challenges with that. Now, COP also launched this new IFRS body, the International Sustainability Standards Board, that's, of course, a very promising development. And then the fact that the IFRS is fully embracing um, ISSB and sustainability now is, is, a, is a good sign. Um, I think the, the, the risk of you know, any of these um, bodies and, and, and standards conversations is that it uh, results in um, discussions around data and reporting and getting it to perfection. And I don't think there's perfection there. I think there will always remain a challenge. And it's almost comfortable to be talking about how to get towards perfect measurement or you know, very good measurement in, in, in terms of, of, of carbon data. Um, whereas actually the, the challenge ahead is quite clear. We know what to do, we need to reduce. So I think we wouldn't want discussions around standardization to get in the way of taking action where it's actually really obvious what needs to be done and uh, perfection is actually not needed, but action. Well, you know a lot about the standards side of this because you were at the Global Reporting Initiative, the GRI, for seven years before um, co-founding Data Moran and, yeah. and GRI is still, I believe, the most widely used sustainability reporting framework globally. What do you think would be the most helpful in terms of disclosure and transparency, assuming that we don't need perfection? Nonetheless, I assume there is still room for improvement and, and things, particularly in terms of the burden on companies. I think what's key in terms of ESG risk management and disclosure is that it is really led by, um, by the top by management teams that report into the board. So we need the understanding that, you know, the management teams of, of companies are actually taking the time to truly understand this, to prioritize the issues and to have action times and uh, action plans and to set uh, targets around it. Then of course, good quality data and consistent reporting and auditing of that data, that's really key. Um, but I would care much more about the involvement of C-suite and boards at this very minute 
than about a company following a, a, a given uh, a given set of standards. You want to see that commitment at the top. And when you see that commitment at the top, then you can also talk about accountability. Well, that, that is really interesting because everyone I talk to usually tells me that the, one of the biggest problems with ESG, with climate, is the lack of consistency across regulatory regimes internationally and lack of disclosure standards, etc. And there seems to be, you know, about the holy grail of getting everyone to yeah. uh, in different jurisdictions on board with the same standards. From what you're saying, you don't think that's top of the list of priorities? No, I think it's the second priority. I, I trust a CFO and its management team to get it right when they decide that climate is an urgent priority. And then I think there's a lot of standards to pull from. And depending on your company, you might need a more specific or a different approach. Not to say that it would make it a lot easier for investors to have comparable data. And I think that's where a lot of the standardization push is coming from. And of course, that's equally uh, you know relevant. But I think... Uh, um, Addressing the urgency that exists in climate change, the utmost priority is to see CEOs and management teams step up and saying that they're going to do something about it and having clear targets and objectives around them that they themselves commit to. I think in a way, if you have standards that you rely on, it's also an easy way out to say, you know, we're following the standard and that's it. How are you actually making the most out of your company's ability to impact change? Probably not by box taking 200 different indicators, probably by selecting that those 10 indicators that make a difference for your company to stay relevant, but also to have meaningful change on a given area that you can really have an impact on. Well, again, that's very interesting. And yes, that highlights the fact that given that we're a sort of finance publication, I guess we usually talk more to investors and, and to, to banks rather than to the corporates themselves. And it is, as you say, the investors who are really calling for some more comparable uh, data and reporting. But obviously, companies are coming under pressure from various different sides. So they are being pressured by investors to produce data that is comparable with other companies. They're also under pressure from consumers and from regulators. From your experience with the companies you deal with so on, on the risk side, which do you think of these sort of stakeholders are the most relevant for companies at the moment in terms of driving change on climate? I think it's definitely their investors, you know, especially we've been hearing from our US clients that the European investors are particularly active in this. But even more so, and I think this happened really over the course of 2020 and 2021, the regulatory regimes. So in the European Union, you have the Sustainable Finance Directive and the Non-Financial Reporting Directive and all of the changes around that. Um, it's also going to get those companies that didn't even start yet to wake up and to think, okay, well, what, what is ESG and what does it mean for me? Um, so definitely the regulatory regime as well. And then this, I guess, this idea of this is going to get enforced. Um, it was this week uh, uh, there was a statement from the enforcement director at the SEC saying, you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk about greenwashing and potential issues with misleading claims or wrong claims pertaining to ESG data and 10Ks. But actually, we're going to have we're going to start to have a problem with emissions as well. So companies that decide to stay quiet on ESG don't get away with, you know, um, not seen as greenwashing, but actually that's a red flag for further investigation. So getting your story straight 
and having an approach to deciding what is material to your company from a risk and opportunity standpoint is going to be critical. So it's going to be much more about processes and accountability and ownership then I think, you know, the next step being the obvious disclosures of that. But but how are you actually deciding on what's relevant and who's involved in that process is going to be key. Okay, fantastic. Well, I know we're running out of time. So just one more question. After, again, after COP, we are nearly at the end of COP. And as I say, there's been a lot of focus on that. That has rather absorbed all the focus on, on climate and ESG recently. There will be focus shifting next year. Do you think next year will be a year of really big change? Do you think we are going to see a real step change next year or will it be more of a continuation? I think we'll see a step change. And again, this is not coming from government action. This is coming from the private private sector stepping up. Um, And also, I guess, the media attention for it. So the more uh, public uh, consciousness is aware of uh, the fact that this is going to be business and sustainability is good for business, the more money will go into that and the more uh, also new businesses, new companies like Rivian will step up and uh, and see this as, an, as, as the ultimate business opportunity. And I think we'll see that across industries. There will be a lot of disruption and technology is actually enabling that. So that's that's the reason why I personally stay very optimistic. We've seen it this year at our own company that it was, um, you know, there was a big shift in the focus, from, you know, originally ESG really sitting in CSR teams and now really climbing up the ladder super fast into into C-suite conversations. And this, uh, you know, this, this notion of, you know, new new businesses potentially becoming a, being a threat to the incumbents, but also incumbents getting ready to uh, to transform their business model. So it's going to be, uh, I, I think it's going to be a bumpy ride, but we're going to see winners and losers. And the winners will be those companies that, uh, that are proactive and that are uh, anticipating, uh, you know, what, what the world actually needs and how we, how we can continue to profit and, and, and do well uh, in, in this changing business context. Fantastic. Well, it's great to end this series on a positive note. <laughs> we've, seen, we've had quite a lot of, of negative coverage throughout COP and a lot of doom and gloom. So it's great to have a positive perspective on this. I hope that you're right. I hope that we will see a step change this year. And I look forward to speaking to you about it again soon. And uh, meantime, thank you very much, Mariella, for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Well, as I mentioned, sadly, this is the last episode in the current series. I will be back very soon with more ESG podcast content, so please do keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, many thanks for listening today and over the last two weeks, and goodbye from Euromoney. Money.